So as the dark nights draw in and the cold weather descends, we know you can't afford to turn your heating on at the moment. So instead, throw on one of those thick, classic 90s bangers, sit back and listen to They Think It's All Over, The Football Shirt Show. Welcome to episode 44 of the Football Shirt Show. Who's joining me this week? It's Mike at Footy Shirts. And Scott at Flying Scotty, where it's considerably darker up here than I would imagine where it is with you boys. Yeah, we've got electricity in England for a start, so um, that, that tends to help. <laughs> Candlelight's free, mate. I think, is, is, that, is that where Thomas like, candlelight dinner again? Is he on a date night again? <laughs> we'll be a bit tell by uh, how sore his wrist is next time we see him whether he's up to his old antics how are you Scott? yeah good thank you I'm a few exciting uh, inbounds coming this week a little delivery from Gary at Footprint and a certain I was lucky enough with a Roma release just before the weekend this will obviously go out on Monday but yep I bought a certain jumper as soon as the message came through so I was lucky enough to grab one the message landed. Yeah, it's Monday the 7th of November as you're hearing this and um, with a bit of luck, our parcel should be arriving today, Scott. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. Who can tell me what's special about the 7th of November? What fixture anomaly happened in 2015? I, I immediately can tell you I have no idea. I... <laughs> Which league is it from? Premier League, Premier League, 2015, 7th of November. What happened fixture-wise? <laughs> Well, it was too early for the pandemic, so... Put us out of our misery, what is it? So you had the most northerly club, Newcastle, playing the most southerly club, Bournemouth, and you had the most easterly club, Norwich, playing the most westerly club, Swansea at the time. <laughs> there is no way I would ever yeah. have got that. And how the fuck do you know that? Got. I just typed in what happened on the 7th of November <laughs> in football. <laughs> Non-shirt related, but fixture related. Have you heard the um, the latest conundrum that Man United being shit has caused. So because of the Queen dying, they had to delay the Leeds United game because of uh, lack of police. And I believe, is it Brentford is the other game? But because Man United are so shit and they finished second in the Europa League group, they now have to go into the playoff round before they make the round of 16. And there are no midweek or weekend fixtures available from now until the end of season because they are all fully booked. So they don't know if they're going to be able to play Europa League or if those rearranged Premier League games will be played. Wow. Well, don't knock the Europa League playoff. Uh, sometimes it's a good fixture and you do get some great teams that have to go into that into that round. But um, this week, we're doing things a little bit differently. I'm afraid, Mike, no kit history today. And Scott, you're not going to be able to get angry. We're not going to have any shirt room 101 today. I'll only come here for the rants. Instead... We've got another ex-player that joined us on a feature this week. Blockbuster one for you. I thought you might want to have a little guess about who the guest could be. Shall I give you some clues? Yeah, go on. So, Championship in a League One footballer from 2007 to 2020. You're not going to give us any nationality I mean, that's, Well, I mean, obviously that's very... Okay, and English. And started out Colchester United. Uh, I, I, you know what? I, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of of uh, Colchester United because they always take good players away from Charlton Town. So, yeah, I'll list off some other clubs: Ipswich Town, Southampton United. 
Yeah, he does have. I think he had facial hair at some point, but not quite uh, in the John Walk mould. Uh, Southend United also a, a big hit there, and AFC Wimbledon. He was involved in a high-profile FA Cup victory over West Ham. I think I know who it is. Do you know Scott, or do you want me to go? Not a fucking clue. Uh, it's Anthony Wordsworth. It is. We have got Woody joining us, so. Um, Let's sit back and listen and see what he's got to say on kits and his football career in general. Uh, delighted to welcome a former player, 15 years of professional, clocking up over 400 appearances, a goal-scoring midfielder who regularly scored double digits every season and seems to be a crowd favourite at almost every club he's appeared at. Anthony Wordsworth, welcome to the pod. Brilliant. Thank you for having me. I'd like to think I was a fan's favourite everywhere, but I'm uh, I'm not sure that's true, but <laughs> we'll see. Definitely at least three or four based on people I've spoken to. So yeah. um... you know what? Oh, yeah, I was lucky. I was lucky to play some good clubs and I did have a good relationship with, with most of them. So yeah, I think I was lucky. I always try and skirt around the number of goals and number of appearances as well, because Wikipedia is not very accurate. And whenever I give a figure, a player always shoots me down and goes, no, it was 492. So um, do you know the figure? Um, do you know, I don't know. I just know that, I, yeah, I don't know where I, everywhere I'd been. I scored goals everywhere I'd been, basically. But so there is someone on Wikipedia who doesn't like me because I had a little look the other day to try and find something out. And I just got like that feeling this, whoever's writing this doesn't like me. It's a bit at the bottom. Just signed for Cheshunt, but got sacked because he was unfit. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I think that's gone because that wasn't there when I looked. <laughs> so, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think I made a complaint. <laughs> Because it was inaccurate. We can set that all straight, don't you worry. Anyway, I've reached out to a few people because, say, feedback is your fan's favourite, a few places you've been. It all started at Colchester. But what's the story? How did you end up at Colchester? Who do you support? Just how did it happen? Um, Well, to be honest, the only reason why I went to Colchester, I got released from Cholton. I was really small. I wasn't really like a little light left winger. I had no pace. And they basically didn't think I was like heading in the right direction. They got rid of me, basically, and I went to Nottingham Forest. I spent a week up there, but I was homesick. I didn't like it. I'm a London boy from Camden Town, so I didn't like it. So I come back, and I was sort of going to go and play just local football with my mates just to try and enjoy it, because I'd always been in an academy since I was, like, eight years old. But my dad was like, look, I'm going to write a letter to Southend and Colchester, because at this point, I've got no agent. I'm only young. So my dad writes a letter and Southend and Colchester get back to me I go to both and I decided to go to Colchester yeah and in terms of who I support I'm an Arsenal fan born and bred Camden Town and yeah I'm a big fan I still go to all the games now and and yeah love Arsenal yeah I saw you went to a cup final but maybe we'll move on to that a little oh, bit later oh, we'll we talk, talk, yeah. yeah we'll talk about that later <laughs> <laughs> so in terms of Colchester what you went in at like what under 17s was it or what no was it's actually so I just left school I, was, I think I was 15 so yeah my dad wrote a letter Adrian Webster got back to me bless him we went down there they trained at the university on the AstroTurf I remember the first days pissing down with rain and I just felt confident I don't know just got off to a flyer I had a really good session there was a few boys there that were technically good luckily it was all of my team in training made me look even better but I just remember Adrian being really impressed and asking me to come back um, he'd been a player at Colchester himself he was then helping out with the youth team and throughout the, the youth systems Joe Dunn stepped into it a little bit. He asked me to go and play a youth team game. Bearing in mind, I've not signed for them them yet. I'm, I've gone and played a youth team game at like, I think it was 15, 16, which to me, that's massive. And I've done all right. I, I, I mean, I held my own and I knew that Joe and Adrian really liked me. 
And then I signed, yeah, and one of my first games was the FA Youth Cup against uh, Ipswich. They got to the semi-final. Well, actually, you know, already you sort of talk about coincidences in football and you've already named a few teams that sort of come up later in later in the story, don't you? So it's just weird, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I, do you know what? I went down to Southend as well. I did do a bit of training down there, but I just felt that the Colchester was more, felt like more like an academy. It was more better run. Whereas Southend, it was a bit unorganised. I didn't really feel like, I felt like I was just there. Whereas at Colchester, I knew I'd done well and I knew they liked me and I knew I had a chance. So yeah, we picked Colchester and literally when I moved in digs, packed my bags, soon as school finished and I was gone, which was, yeah, that was a bit of a, bit of a wake up call that because I'd never really been away from home. So it's just pack my bags and go and move in with a family that I'd never met. Uh, me and one of the guys that I moved in with, Curtis Haynes Brown, bless him. We, uh, we live together. We got up to all sorts of carnage and we're still good friends now. Yeah. So in terms of that, it sounds like you saw a better pathway from Colchester, you know, set, maybe better set up to, to help players develop, yeah? Is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And Joe Dunn was there as well. So what was, Adrian, as, as I said, he was a great coach, but it was Joe Dunn really who I thought could make me a better player. And you always get that that feeling that someone likes you. I could, I could sense that he liked me and it later proved right because I heard a conversation which really changed my whole mentality about football really I was just, at, at one point I felt like I was just there but I heard Joe Dunn have a conversation with Brian Owen Brian's a legend at Colchester all the Colchester fans will know Brian Owen absolute legend but I remember being in the toilet one day and Joe and Joe telling Brian Owen about me and I was in the cubicle and he's saying like we've got this kid he's yeah I've never seen anything like it he's, he's gonna go all the way and that just filled me with confidence after that I just yeah everything I'd done was just just it was happening for me what do you do? Just sit there and style it out. Don't flush the chain. Wait for them to leave. No, I did. Yeah, out, or... <laughs> yeah. I waited for him to leave because I remember the session. And don't get me wrong, I knew I, I I was on fire. Just everything I'd done was just was was coming off. And yeah, I just sat in the cubicle, waited for him to leave. And then I thought, right, he likes me. He's my youth team manager. So I, I had Joe at youth team, reserve team, and first team. Captain his youth team, captain his reserve team, and then he made me for uh, captain of the first team. So um, he was brilliant for me, Joe Dunn, and. Yeah, I'm glad I picked Colchester uh, just for him, really. So, do you remember that first time you got the call up to the first team? Obviously, presumably you'd be training with them and what have you. But do you remember that first game that you you, you saw your name was listed in the squad and that was it? Yeah, I mean, we had a, the first time I ever got to sort of taste the first team football. It was a pre-season game we played Chelsea. So I just signed for the club. Like I said, I had that FA Youth Cup game, had a few other games, and then they the season sort of finished and then it was the pre-season of the next season. I'm still only like 16, 17 at this point and they've involved me in a first team game. I come on and I was absolutely awful. Like, shit. I'm not sure we can swear on You this, definitely, was, yeah, don't worry, we've got an adult rating on our pod, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely shit in my pants. I gave the ball away every time I got it. Um, Phil Parkinson was the manager. He just said to me afterwards, look, don't worry, we can see the potential, you're just not ready. Like, yeah, I've brung you in a little bit too soon. Back to, back to the youth team for, for a little while. But my first professional game was yeah get away at Shrewsbury I believe a Carling Cup game I come on yeah I come on about 30 30 minutes done really Early. well done yeah done really well uh, felt like at that point then actually I can hold my own here uh, done really well had a chance should have scored but uh, the disappointing thing after that where I actually thought I'd done well I didn't get another game for might have been a year I think until oh, wow. until Cardiff the championship season uh, where I come on as a sub and yeah, done really well. And then from there, it sort of took off a little bit. I guess the team was doing pretty well at that stage and yeah, you were still developing. Yeah, that's the best part about it, coming through at the time I did. The, the first team were winning every week. They got promoted from League One to the Championship. So to be in and around it at that time 
was very helpful. And it's always nice being around a team when they're winning. It sort of makes things a little bit easier. You know, the vibe's good and it just makes it that little bit little bit easier, I feel, because you, obviously they're doing well. They've got good players in the side. So, yeah, championship season to be in around it and then the next season to play a couple of games. Um, and then obviously we got relegated the season after, after nearly getting in the playoffs to try and reach the Premier League. Yeah, man. Um, but to be yeah, to be in and around it was was lovely, and I enjoyed it. Apart from one evening at Stoke when I sat on the bench, and yeah, that's that's when I realised about fans and the other side of it. Actually, this is quite scary. Like these guys want to kill us. But yeah, it was all it was all good laugh. So do you remember that first kit? You know, first time you put on the first team shirt. What was the shirt back then? Was that a Puma shirt back then? Or my first one, my first one I ever wore was a red. Uh, yeah, it was red. It was Puma, red Puma kit. Uh, because <clears throat> I've got a picture. My mum and dad still got the picture up in their house. I can still remember it. I'm wearing black and uh, blue. Was that, and the, was that the Deodora one? It might have been Deodora actually. Awake it. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, sorry, right. You're right. It was Deodora, red one, number twenty-seven. I was, but that that one weren't too bad actually. That one actually fitted all right. It was the one. <laughs> it was the one. The home kit that I next made my debut, uh, my league debut in. It was just, yeah, it was, I tried every size, large, extra large, medium and small, and none of them fitted me. It was mad. I was, I was buggered from, from day one. Yeah, it was just baggy. To be fair, Colchester was always lucky with, with a kit man there, Brian Pugh, bless him. Um, he always, he always looked after us. He'd always do his best, but I think just back then, they just didn't, they, that's just how they come. They didn't fit how they do now, obviously. Everyone's a bit more... Uh, Bit more tarty-ish, I should say. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, Brian Pugh was a, was a good man. He tried to do his best, but he, he couldn't help anyone out with him. I mean, you became something of a goal scorer, though, didn't you, for the club? I mean, once you broke in and became established in a team, set piece specialist. I think you, you scored quite a few free kicks. You rode culture mm. left foot, and yeah, you made a habit of getting in the box and scoring goals. Yeah, um, the thing was, I scored goals like forty plus goals in this youth team from midfield. So I had a I had a um, reputation of being a goal scorer midfielder and then in the reserves again scoring goals all the time but I, I don't think I scored for quite a while until I got into the first team the first couple came at Cheltenham I scored end up scoring one scored scored the second one as well to make it 2-0 um, once I got them couple that was it you know like once you get the first one there's that pressure like sort of lifted off you a little bit like I remember scoring that goal and Clive Platt saying to me like welcome to the game this is it now you've scored a goal you're now a footballer do you have that shirt? You got your baby shirt. Well, your parents have got it. Have you got your first? Yeah, I've got it. We've got it. We've got yeah, it. In the house. Scored in, you got it. Yeah, I've got it in the house. Yeah, I mean, my son now he's he's raided all the drawers. He wears them to mess about in the garden. I keep telling him that they're precious and they mean something to me. But yeah, <laughs> we had one on. Swapped a shirt before with uh, Danny Murphy. I think it's black when Danny Murphy was playing for Blackburn. I must looked out the window. My little boy's got it on doing slide tackles. Filthy. So I need to get them all cleaned and get them in frames. Uh, good to hear he's into his kits anyway. Yeah, he loves it. Like, coming through the youth team at a club, how did you find it? Did you find bands treat you differently? Do they give you more slack? Do they take more pride in you? Yeah, it? yeah, at most clubs, yeah. I'd imagine at most clubs, that's that's how it is. You get, like, sing, they're one of, one of your own. They always take that little bit of um, care with you. Uh, I did feel like that a little bit. When I was first coming through, I knew if I made a mistake, they wouldn't get on me as much because they'd understand that, like I said, that Chelsea game, when I was giving the, give the ball away three or four times in a row, if you've done that as, a, as an experienced pro, like, you're going to get it. But I could feel yeah. that sense of, like, they know I'm 
only young. Do you know what I mean? I'm trying to, I'm trying to try my best. Just nervous, really. I think the cold. I think I feel like the Colchester fans now are a little bit different. I've been to a couple of games since, and I feel like the fan base has changed a little bit. But I never felt. It's funny you say that. Cause I never really felt like they they loved me that much. Even when I was scoring scoring goals, like the couple of seasons that I got top goal scorer or I scored double figures. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't even nominated in the fans player of the season. So I always felt there was that little bit of, I don't know, just I didn't feel really loved by the Colchester fans, if I'm honest. Which is pretty odd, isn't it? Because you've got somebody who's making 30-odd, 40 appearances for the club, giving her all, yeah. getting double digits from midfield and pretty much everywhere. You think that's nailed on as a yeah, player of a season or at least a sort of top three candidate, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I, I know, especially when I think when Joe Dunn was in charge, well, A.D. Boothroyd was in charge when I scored, I think I got 13 that year. It might have been 11. John Ward was there. Uh, John Ward, yeah, scored 13 goals for John Ward. I, I just never felt loved, really, by them. Never, never had... I don't think I just had that connection with him. And it's... Oh. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, quite, it's quite a strange one, really, because I did come through the youth team and, do you know what I mean? It was a special, special club for me and they still do hold a special place in my heart. But, obviously, things went a little bit sour when I left. Said a couple of things I shouldn't have said, which I do regret. Do you want to elaborate on that slightly for people? Yeah, because I signed for Ipswich and Ipswich were doing like a Q&A and I'd been picked to do this Q&A and there's like hundreds of people there. I'm thinking like, well, it's Q&A. It's a bit mad. There's a lot of people here. It's crazy. And one of the reporters just said like, what do you feel the difference is between Ipswich and Colchester? And I just had a laugh. I said, well, if they'd done something like this, there wouldn't be this many people here. I said, sometimes on a match day, they've got more bar staff than fans. So like I've signed signed for a new club. I'm just trying to have a laugh. But yeah, yeah. I know there's like a Colchester reporter in the in the audience, and it ended up on the back page back page of the Colchester Gazette, I think, or something like that. Which yeah didn't go down too well with Joe Dunn. I remember like he called me the next day. It's like what's all this about? And I'm like what? He said you've been quoted as saying it. I said no, I did say it, but it wasn't like that. It was just like Q and A. I was trying to have a laugh. I didn't mean to like put the club down or put you down. Luckily he was like yeah I get it. Like when I explained the situation to him, um, he sort of uh, he, he forgave me definitely. But I'm not I'm not too sure. There's many Colchester fans that did. It's hard, isn't it? From oh yeah, from a fan's perspective, you see a player that's bagged you all these goals. The team's built around him. Understandably, you've taken a step up, haven't you? Back to yeah, you know, up to his championship. You could, yeah, I guess they're probably looking for an excuse to feel a little bit little bit bitter. Yeah, and do you know what the thing is? I had chances to leave before. Like I could have went to Bournemouth and. At the time, Colchester were in a bit of a sticky situation. I didn't want to leave at that point. Bloody wish I did, because they went promotion, promotion. Yeah. They, they, went, they went right up. Um, yeah, again, I had another chance to leave a couple of seasons later. Could have went to Cholton. Even when I went to Ipswich, I could have went to Cholton as well. I chose Ipswich over Cholton just because I felt it would be a better move for me. I spoke to Mick McCarthy at the time, and he said a lot of things that I liked. But yeah, even that move didn't really work out for me, to be honest. Yeah, different style of football, but but I guess just staying with Colchester for the time being, because obviously they're going through a bit of a rough patch at the moment, probably not where the fans want to be. And it's it's actually a question that's come from one of the Colchester fans, and he was interested to get your thoughts on fan bases booing players, because there's a bit of that going on at the moment as they're struggling. How how do you as a player react to that? Do you think it's okay? Do you, does it put you off? I mean, yeah, the thing is, if if you're not performing and you're not giving them anything to cheer about. They're spending their money to, to come and watch. 
if if during the game they are trying their best, I would I would encourage them to support the team. But if at the end they're not happy with what they've seen, I can understand it. I mean, I go over Arsenal and I've done the same. Uh, when when Arsenal are not performing, the fans mm-hmm. have come over to clap. I've I'll do the same. Go on on your back. But <laughs> the ones that the ones that are trying their hardest, they know the fans know. Do you know what I mean? You can't fool them. If you're running yeah. around giving hundred percent, they'll appreciate that. But if if they feel that there's some out there that are not. I think they're entitled to to voice their opinion. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Sensible answer. So the move to Ipswich, step up, Championship football, playing for a really experienced manager. You obviously sold the move to you. Yeah. The thing was, Mick McCarthy, we, Colchester played Coventry and Mick McCarthy had come to watch David McGoldrick, who was playing for Coventry. And he ended up leaving with with me in his mind. He said, I come to watch David McGoldrick. He said, and I just thought you was brilliant. I said, I knew there and then I was going to sign you. I said, oh, thank God for that. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Well, um, but that's just how football can can work sometimes. Do you know what I mean? Had he not come to watch David McGoldrick that day, I might never have got that move and might have still been at Colchester now. You just you don't know. Do you know what I mean? No, no, no. But I mean, it's a massive club, you know, played in Europe, probably, yeah, before you and my time, but we know that they're a massive club. We know the story around it and the fan base and, yeah, the setup. You know, as kids, they're premiership club to us, weren't they? You know, growing up when we were. Yeah. We, we were young was that the sort of move that you just basically couldn't turn down you were like this is it yeah it was the last I remember it was the last day of the transfer window and obviously Joe Dunn was the manager at the time he rung me up he was like, he was like yeah they want to do it uh, what do you want to do and I was like look I'm out contracting the summer I'm happy to stay I said we're we're down there at the time we were we were struggling I said look I want to I'll stay till the summer I said I'll get hopefully get us out of this relegation battle then they'll go and he was like, uh, I don't think you're understanding what we're saying here. You're going to be on a free in the summer. You, you need to go. Like, the club's going to get some money for you. You sort of need to go. So I was like, oh, all right. Well, that's a different situation then. So then it was like, well, I go Cholton or Ipswich. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I had Johnny Jackson ring me up, who was at Cholton at the time, saying, like, you, you're coming down. I've just heard a rumour that... Was he still play, he was still playing back then, was he? Yeah, he was still yeah, playing. Yeah. He was still playing. So he was like... Are you coming down? I said, no. I said, I'm on my way to Ipswich right now. Yeah, I went down to Ipswich and straight away walked into the ground. Just like, massive stadium. I think I did ask someone, like, what's the one star for on the on the shirt? He's like, you're taking the, you're taking the piss in, huh? <laughs> And I was like, oh, fuck. Man, they've, won, I mean, they've won the European Cup. Yeah. But massive club, big fan base. Um, yeah, just, it was a step up. It was a step up. And did you feel that? Because again, speaking to a couple of Ipswich supporters, you know, they, they were really excited by your signing. They thought, goal scoring midfielder, everybody wants to see that. You know, you've been linked with other clubs. There's various reasons there, you know, from injury at the outset to playing got, style and gone. Yeah, got there, got there. I'd gone there as like a number 10, goal scoring midfielder, getting in the box, having that freedom to get on the ball. And the way Mick described how he wanted me to play, it was like, I tried to change my game to become a tough tackling midfielder, which don't get me wrong, I could, obviously I'm six foot three, I can get about, I can be physical, but I just stopped doing everything that had got me there in the first place. And then obviously the injury didn't help, debut, end up breaking my back, was out for a little while, but yeah, come back and scored on my debut. But it was funny because I scored the goal, although I did score the goal, we scored, it was against Hull City, Hull City were going for promotion. I remember it had a corner late and I was the front man post. Ball's come in, I've cleared it, miskicked it, straight back to the corner taker and then gone to close him down and just didn't do enough to stop the cross. To be honest, I was blowing out my ass. <laughs> where I'd just come back from an injury yeah, and I was yeah. fucked. 
Um, I remember Mick pulling me in the next day saying, like, look, showed me the goal. He went, that's brilliant. He said, you've absolutely bullied James Chester, who's a top defender. He said, that's lovely. Loved that. Then showed me the clip of, obviously, the corner. He said, you've given the ball back to the corner taker and that you ain't done nearly enough to stop the cross. He went, and you need to improve on that if you're going to play for me. I don't think I got another appearance for about 30 games. I mean, it must have been, wow. honestly, it must have, could have been 20 games. I'm not, I'm not yeah. joking. Wow. But yeah, just trained hard. I needed to get fitter. That was the thing because, again, the step up from League One to Championship, everyone's stronger, everyone's fitter. Players there just running for hours. But even when I did do well at Ipswich, there was times when I actually had a run in the team and done all right. I remember Brighton away. Um, Mick said I needed to do more running. Done the most running in the team that day, 13 and a half K, which was for me was mental. Well, for anyone football, <laughs> I'll tell you to run 13 and a half K. Crazy. And then we played Derby on the Tuesday night, beat them, done again, done really well. And then on the Saturday, I wasn't even on the bench. He pulled me out of the squad completely. So after that point, I was like, look, I've come in, done brilliant for two games. We've won two, and you've not even put me on the bench. I'm literally yeah. sitting in the stand. I said, I can't, I can't win. And he was like, Yeah, you went, look. I told you when you signed, it's Cole Scoose and Luke Hyam, they're going to play whenever they're fit. And to be fair to me, he did say that. Okay. Even before I signed, he said, they're going to play and it's going to take, you're going to have to do something really special to get in the side. He did like them and yeah, Cole Scoose come back from an injury, went straight back in. But I thought it was harsh, could at least put me on the bench. As soon as he'd done that, I thought, right, I need to start looking at a loan move here. I need to try and get away. Yeah, okay. Okay. In terms of Ipswich, obviously like quite iconic kits. Everybody thinks of them with the, the blue shirt and the white sleeves. Although just looking at the three years that you were there, they only the three years they only actually had the really that sort of famous template. One of the years in the mighty kits, they went with like a red sleeve one year and all blue with Adidas with the last year, I think. Yeah, they had, um, yeah. The blue with the white sleeves was it is Mitre, wasn't it? Mitre one. It was, yeah, yeah. I did like that one. That was uh that just fitted nice. That's a manufacturer you don't really see see much of. Were they decent kits? Yeah, Joe, that was that one wasn't a bad one. I would say though the training kit was awful. The training kit was <laughs> right. and, yeah, it's just baggy, like you're trying to train and you just don't feel like a footballer. Baggy trousers, baggy shorts, oh, the socks were loose. I think that was the first year I signed. It did get better to be fair. But um I did like that kit. Got a nice picture of where I scored at Watford wearing that kit. So I do see that kit every day, really. <laughs> No, it's nice you still got those memories from that time there. Like you say, even though it was a bit rough in terms of, you know, what, what you wanted to go in and achieve. Yeah, but... no, big regrets. Big regrets there. I wish I could have done more. Um, yeah, looking back, I should. there's a lot of things I could have done, really, to have a better career there. But Still a young player as well at that point, aren't you? I mean, yeah, you're, you come through a coach just so young. You're still actually quite young. Yeah, you? your first, your, to be fair, your first move is always difficult because I'd only been at Colchester. And where I got bit, I'd say I did get probably too comfortable. It just become a bit easy. League One, I knew I was good enough. Well, I, I found League One too easy. I knew I was probably at that time too good for League One. But it's just the move. I think that's what it was. My first move, gone into a new changing room. I went in January as well, which is difficult time if you go in the summer you get the pre-season pre-season games it's a little bit easier but and there was in a relegation battle which which made it hard but yeah I suppose all excuses at the end of the day I should I should have done better but then I guess you know you went from that having the first move to then having like a couple of loan moves on the outside looking in I always think it must be so difficult for like loan players because it's not home are you, are you even living there? Are you in hotels? Are you travelling? You know, and I know you want games, but I guess Rotherham, that's a long way from home, wasn't it? When you went to Rotherham initially, didn't you? Yeah, Steve Rotherham. Evans, is that right? 
Steve, oh my God. How long have we got? <laughs> well, it's, we definitely got to get at least one oh, Steve. Yeah, uh, stories about him. Brilliant. He rang me up. He was like, because he did try and sign me a couple of times. <clears throat> he rang me up. And at the time, Ipswich were, they, I think there's bottom half down, down there somewhere. It's only early on in the season. I mean, there's only a few games gone, but Rotherham had won a couple. They were sitting second in the championship. He rang me up, tried to sign you a couple of times. Come on, boy, come down. So I was like, all right, do you know what? I'll, uh, I'll have a go. But everyone I spoke to was like, don't go. You won't last five minutes with him. Like, yeah. don't go. Boys that have played for him in the past. But I thought, do you know what? I'll go. Because at the time, I had, it was them or Preston. Preston was in League One. Yeah, I ended up just going to Rotherham. They had a few Ipswich boys from the season before. Scott Loach, Paul Green was there, Fraser Richardson, Paul Taylor. Okay. So there was a few boys I knew there. So I thought, yeah, I'll go down there. And yeah, first game started, played 90 minutes, beat Millwall. Next game, we had Bristol City at home. He spoke to me before the game and said, like, yeah, this this game's not for you. <clears throat> it's going to be more of a footballing game. And I was oh, like, nice. well, as a footballer, that's nice. Yeah, I thought, well, I'm a technical player. I, I, I mean, I, I am more of a footballer than, than a ratter, really. So he's played me at Millwall in a game where that would be a bit physical. We've won that. Then he's pulled me out against Bristol City because it was a tactical game. Technical, uh, sorry, technical would be a passing game. And I said to him, have you ever watched me play? Like, that's, that is my game. He was like, oh, don't worry about it. Uh, you, you'll get some minutes anyway. He ended up bringing me on at half-time. But yeah, and then the next game, Bolton, he played me right wing. I scored, done well, done really well. But after the game, he's having his team talk. He's going, uh, Woody, you've not trapped your runner. Your man scored. I know it's not my man, by the way, but I'm thinking, all right, I'll have a chat yeah. on Monday. Yeah. So I'm having a chat with him Monday. I said, Gaffer, look, obviously, have you watched it back? I said, I don't want to start digging anyone out. I said, but I, I knew at the time it weren't my runner. He goes, yeah, yeah. He One second, boy. He puts his feet up on his desk, lean back, goes in his top drawer. I think he's going to pull out a tactics board or something. <laughs> Pulls yeah. out a packet of crisps. Pulls out a packet of crisps, start eating them. Go on, son, carry on. I was like, this geezer's mental. But yeah, just didn't get on with him at all. Yeah, he didn't like me after that. I mean, I I did, I would voice my opinion and and have a go at him. We had a couple of rows, and then he was like, "Look, you're not going to play, but I'm not going to send you back to Ipswich. I'm going to make you suffer." He had me swimming at seven o'clock at night. So the boys would the boys would do training. Yeah. And then at seven o'clock at night, I'd go swimming. Me and Paul Warren. Paul Warren was a fitness coach at the time. Right. So me and Warren would be swimming seven o'clock at night, and obviously he was trying to punish me really to yeah, just give me yeah. a hard time, which. Obviously, there was no there was no need for that. Do you know what I mean? If he didn't want me, he could have just sent me back to Ipswich. He'd done that for a, a month or two. And then in the end, I finally got out. He he didn't want to keep me around because I did become a bit of a problem for him. Well, I guess you've got to get your way out at that point. Because, I mean, it sounds like he did it right in the beginning as well. He didn't, like, cause a scene in the changing room. You've gone and tried to, like, talk to him rationally on the Monday. Um, yeah. Bit yeah, no, I did. I did try to do it like that. And... Don't get me wrong, I'd said a few things that, looking back now, I wish I didn't say. Yeah. Just out of anger, really. You know, my dad at the time, and my dad said to me, like, don't do something permanently stupid just because you're temporarily upset. It was a saying that my dad used to tell me. That was something I did regret, because I said said a few things to him that, looking back now, is bang out of order. And as a manager, if someone said that to me, I probably would have done the same as him, to be fair. So I've bumped into him once and at a hotel. I think I was playing for South End, and Rotherham were playing somewhere in the same area. Right, and we was in the same hotel, and I was gonna be the bigger man and go over and just say, "Look, no hard feelings, whatever." But as I walked towards him, he turned his back and walked away. Oh, nice, so, uh, nice, classy, yeah, yeah, brilliant. 
Top man, Steve. Nice one. It's funny because speaking to you, I've got a friend uh, who's a Rotherham season ticket older, Neil, and I sort of said, oh, yeah, we've got guests coming on. One of your former players gave him the season, said you're giving him clues. And he was like, honestly, like, Evans went through so many players in that season. I can't even guess because he just seemed to yeah, we rattle had, through him. We had so many players, it was mental. There was like a squad training, then a squad over there, then boys over there. Then there was like seven or eight players in the treatment room. Do you know what? I think you only had like four lone players in a squad, I think, or something like well, that. There's well, that goal. was it because he rattled off quite a few lone players to me the same season. We, I'm like, we we had about this? twelve lone players, and only four could be in a squad. So there was six or seven sitting around each weekend, like scratching their nuts. They had mad players as well, like Luciano Becchio. I don't know where he pulled him out from. Remember him? Played yeah, Leeds, wasn't he? Leeds, yeah, yeah, yeah. Top, top guy, great guy. Um, we went out for dinner a couple of times. He's like Argentinian, loves a loves a barbecue, but yeah, just yeah. I don't know where he pulled him out from, but he he was a he was a great guy, a wheeler dealer. But um, yeah, interesting that it was an interesting time to be fair. Saying that, I was in Sheffield. Yeah, the nightlife weren't too bad. Student night every night. That that part of it was <laughs> that part weren't too bad. <laughs> like there you one go. One pound fifty for a pint. There we go. He's got his ups. He's got his upsides. Exactly. You got to um, try and make the best of a bad situation. Rotherham it was on to Crawley yeah yes from Rotherham went to Crawley so what was the link there then well uh, Steve sort of let me go um, around it was around Christmas time it was around Christmas time I think he finally had enough of me he was like go on <laughs> and I couldn't I couldn't play for Ipswich and Mick was like look you can't play for us what do you want to do I said well it's Christmas New Year I said can I, can I have a bit of time off like sort my head out and then come back January and uh, try and find a new club. So Carford rung me, who was my assistant manager at Colchester. Okay. He said, "Look, Dean Saunders is the manager of Crawley. They're struggling. They need some players." He said, "He'd love to have you." So I was like, "All right, get him to give me a call, whatever, and I'll have a chat with him." And Dean Dean Saunders called me, and obviously Dean Saunders is Dean Saunders. You hear him on Talksport Radio. He's got stories for days. He's like, all right, boy, I tried to sign you when you was at Wolves, when I was when I was a Wolves manager. He went, I couldn't get you. They wanted too much money. He went, come down here and you'll have a great time. So to be fair, I did. I went down there and I loved it. Probably was brilliant. And I rediscovered my form. I think I played, I might have played 18 games, got 12 or 14 assists or something, four goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That bit Wikipedia's um, right. You don't have to worry about somebody um, yeah, sabotaging yeah, no, that. Done, done really well. Like, loved it down there. Yeah, and in terms of going on loan where you stay yeah at, at Rotherham I was I was in a hotel on my own and then they did to be fair they did put me up in a flat penthouse apartment in, in the town centre which was, was lovely uh, they do do things right at Rotherham they looked after us there yeah and at Crawley I was obviously it weren't too far so I was travelling in but they did give me a hotel so I was staying up like maybe one day after training when I was tired or day before a game but Dean Saunders was also staying up in the uh, same hotel. So night before a game, he'd be like, do you want a pint? I'd be like, I've got a game tomorrow. <laughs> but whereas he'd be like, no, nah, it's a test. He was deadly serious. Like, yeah, he didn't yeah. mind you having a pint, but yeah, I didn't have any. And then he gave you a lift home afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we won't, we won't talk about that. No, no, we won't, mate. <laughs> but, but you had a good time there. We discovered your form, I guess. So yeah, that's that's sort of like how you'd hope to lay me would work out, I guess, at that stage. It was, you know what? it was a good one for me because, yeah, like you said, I'd done really well. Um, group of players there were brilliant. Isaac McLeod was up front. I was yeah, just like, yeah, yeah. he was playing really well. I was just finding him. Saying that, a lot of the 
a lot of the assists were from set pieces, uh, free kicks and corners. Yeah. And uh, he just used to say, like, if you get a free kick, just shoot. But he said, it's a cross. Like, I want you to aim for the keeper and trust one of the boys to get on the end of it. So I just used to whip it and aim for the keeper's arm, uh, keeper's hands. And literally, we scored so many goals from set pieces. We had Richard Wood, he got a couple. We had Pogba's brother there, the one that's... Uh, Mateus Pogba, the one that's trying to get a few quid out of him at the minute. Don't know if you've seen okay. that in the news. Yeah, is he the one that's um, putting on witchcraft on... That's it, yeah. On, we, had uh, we, had him at, we had him at the time. I drove him mad. I used to make him FaceTime his brother on every... <laughs> I like, get him on FaceTime. Have him on FaceTime. But um, yeah, brilliant. Dean Saunders was class. I liked him. When, when I went there, they was, they was struggling. They were bottom of the league, miles off it. We end up getting out the bottom four, but my loan finished two with two games to go, so I couldn't play in the last two games. Oh, okay. It might have been three. Sorry, it was the last three games. So I always say when I speak about it, I got them out of trouble. They was out the bottom four when I left them. I think they only needed three points from the last three games, it might have been. And unfortunately, they couldn't get on with. I know it's a club, but you still look, look at the results, don't you, I think? And... Um... No, nah, still I went. I was actually went to the last. I went to the last three games. I said, "Look, I want to. I've been here. Do you know what I mean? I feel like I've made a difference. I want to be a part of it." I, I went to. Yeah, there was two home games I went to, and then one home game, uh, one away game. I think it might have been Berry. Um, I'm not sure if it was Berry actually. I can't remember, but we. I think it's four three. We was winning three one. End up getting beat four three. I think if I remember right. Uh, Josh Simpson had come back from a mad injury. He'd been out for the whole season. Uh, Ding Song just put him in the end up scoring so I just that just sticks in my mind so Crawley Town rediscovered your form I guess fell back in love with the game playing the sort of game that you used to play I guess at Colchester to some extent Colchester fans might have just about forgiven you by then but then you, your next choice of club probably uh, pissed them off again yeah do you know what the thing is I always wanted to stay down south. So if you look at my career, I think Ipswich, Colchester, everyone always assumes I'm, I'm from Essex. But anywhere down south, um, and at that point, it was South India, South End, or I think the options I had at the time, they were all up north, like way up north. And I was obviously not interested in really getting up there. Colchester's other rivals, even though Ipswich don't know that that is a rivalry, you speak to the Ipswich fans, they're like, I, I wouldn't have thought that was either. Do you know what I mean? From the outside looking in, I wouldn't have got. I wouldn't have got that as rivalry. Nah, to the Colchester fans, it's, it's a big, it's a big game. But obviously, to the Ipswich fans, it's not. But yeah, South End, Colchester. There's no doubt in that one. That's. I've done a proper Sol Campbell there. And and were you conscious of that when you signed? But but at the same time, it was the the only sensible option for you. I mean, yeah, yeah, I was, I was, I did. It did obviously go through my mind. Um, and I think I, I think when I announced it on Instagram, I, I actually wrote, it's official. I'm the most hated man in Colchester. <laughs> That's what I actually put on my Instagram when I announced that I was signing for South End. But yeah, basically it was just one just to stay down down south and close to the family, really. Which, and which makes sense. It's a wrong. job, you know? And don't it makes... wrong for the South End fans. They are a good club. And obviously Phil Brown spoke to him. After talking to him for two, three minutes, I knew I was going to sign. He, he just, yeah, he sold it really well. To be fair, I enjoyed it. South End really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean your stats at South End over that period, in terms of like return for goals, goals to game and assists, not bad at all, is it? I think you're like sort of like twenty goals in eighty appearances or something like that. Which again, yeah, twenty a... goals, twenty goals, eighty starts, something like yeah, something like that maybe. Um, which is good. One in, if my maths serves me well, one in four for <laughs> midfielders. For one in four, it's not bad. Uh, 
for a midfielder. That's not bad. So, were the South End fans all right with the move? Or, or I guess that sort of return probably settled them down know, straight I, away. I did hear a couple of things at the start. Yeah, I remember someone telling me to fuck off back to Colchester. One, one of the first games after yeah. I think I misplaced a pass. And to be fair, I didn't get off to a flyer there. I didn't get off to a good start. Started the first game at Fleetwood, didn't do really well. We drew. I think we lost the next home game. I think Phil Brown brung me out for a period. Yeah, didn't get off to a great start and then managed to turn it around, luckily. A few great seasons there. Nice kits as well, weren't they? The South End ones. They were the, like, the night templates, a decent gear. I imagine the training gear was pretty decent as well, was it? Right. Oh, that is when that is the I mean, just that stretchy material comes in. It just fits nice. Yeah, the South End one was lovely. I, like, I love that kit. Um, we had the all blue one blue socks blue shorts blue shirt that was the one I used to like um, yeah it was a nice kit training kit was lovely yeah had a couple of decent kit men there as well that, that looked after us and I guess do things like that make a difference as well like it's work attire isn't it I mean does it make a difference yeah 100% if you, you'd be surprised the boys are like trying on all different sizes I used to go medium I knew it didn't fit me 100% right but I just wanted it to be tight feel good play good I suppose but yeah, the boys do definitely, definitely into like making sure the kit fits right and wanting to look good. Feel good, play good. That's something that a few other people have said as well. So um, yeah, I guess it, it must ring true. Um, Phil Brown, no, I mean, again, a character. Um, I'm a Swindon fan, so we had him there for a little bit as well. <laughs> He's, yeah, probably not as light at Swindon as he was at South End, but um, I guess a character, yeah? Oh, brilliant. Yeah, like I said, met him. Met him at Sopwell House, uh, spa place, hotel sat down five ten minutes I was like yeah went away rung my dad I was like I didn't say obviously tell Phil at the time but I come away rung my dad said look I'm going to sign because although he's a bit of a character I buzz with people like him I'm mm-hmm. sure if you can speak to like any of the lads that I played with they'll probably say similar about me I like a manager to be a little bit different and you can do things in front of him and get away with it or say something and he won't take it personal he might he might think about it from a different point of view but yeah I remember signing because they just got promoted from League Two to League One. So I've come in, but they hadn't had a promotion party because all the boys had booked their holidays and gone away. So I first signed pre-season trip to Marbella. It's a promotion <laughs> party that I've not really done anything to get the boys promoted, but I'm there. And yeah, I've done karaoke. He stood up. The, we're at La Sala, packed restaurant. There's a table as long. It's like all the lads are sitting around it, like 30 players, players and staff. It's got beers on champagne the table's full and it's karaoke he gets up he walks across this table the bar staff are like run over to him no no Phil, Mr Brown Mr Brown get down he's like fuck off walks across all these beers knocks over every drink on the table goes down the other end does sweet Caroline brilliant but Frank Bruno's only in the restaurant Frank Bruno no way he's like keep the fucking noise down <laughs> We all just fucking sat down and shut up. Yeah, I was going to say, but, the waiters wouldn't make you sit down, but uh, yeah. He, he was brilliant, Brownie, things like that. Like, all tracing, Ascot, we we played Coventry away from home, and it was like, boys, if you get a result, you can go Ascot. And we were like, all right, sweet. We end up getting a result, but none of us have got any gear. He's like, fuck it. He's like, everyone ring your missus. Tell them you're not coming home. We're going to the hotel, and in the morning, we're going to go Tesco's and buy loads of clobber. <laughs> So we're like, sweet. I just off the cuff things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've gone Tesco's. All the boys have got doled up in Tesco's. And we, yeah, Ascot, we went. And he was brilliant with things like that. Looked after the lad. You'd always be well looked after in a little private, broke-off place. He liked to obviously feel 
special. He had in your, all in, like, in your Tesco's gear, yeah. In the Tesco's gear, yeah. And it was, uh, yeah, just things like that. I loved him, loved him for things like that. But obviously, a lot of people don't don't like him. They think he's obviously a bit chocolate. But to be honest, when I started playing well for him, he looked after me. He was brilliant with me. And to be honest, I was gutted. I was gutted when they sacked him. Yeah. So, how did you think it was going at Southend? Could you feel? Because again, speaking to a couple of Southend fans, they sort of say that that's that was the sort of like the start at the end. That that probably your first or second season there. They, I think, did you finish seventh in, in the league? Yeah. And they sort of thought that, that was it. That was the opportunity to to kick on. Yeah, and from we, then on, it was tough. That's that's definitely well. How we didn't go up that season is still even now it does that. It's I still think about it now because we had. To, we had a squad, we had a team spirit, we had a togetherness, we were playing well. And yeah, second So who game, else was in the team at that time? Who oh, else we was had like team? Anton Ferdinand, yeah. Marco, Antoine Fortune, Simon Cox, Michael Turner, all these boys, you know, that played in the Premier League. Ryan yeah. Leonard, who's obviously now doing well, Michael Timlin, Coca. Had some top, top players. Um, and we was we were getting really well. Very minimum should have got in the playoffs. I just remember two games from the end of the season. We was training on Roots Hall. And me and Adam Thompson, who's a centre-back at the club, we were just playing two-touch. And he's like, served the ball up here. And I've lifted my leg up and ruptured my hamstring. Nice. Like the tendon, yeah, the muscle actually come off the bone. It was horrible injury. Um, so I couldn't play in the last two games. And I'm not saying if I had, we would have got in there, but I was on fire. Everything I was touching was going in at that point. Um, yeah, so end up missing them last two games, missing out by a point, which was heartbreaking. And then the season after, we had the same squad, but we, I don't know, for whatever reason, it just we just couldn't re- rediscover what we'd done. Felt different, before. like. Yeah, just we weren't, weren't, weren't at it. And yeah, Brownie obviously ended up losing his job. That's nah, a shame, I guess, when you enjoy working with somebody and um, and it comes to an end, you know, wherever you are. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, obviously, he went back there. And then, again, I was hoping it, it would work out for him. I remember speaking to him at that period um, with potential maybe going back, but... Yeah, it didn't really work out work out for him there for a second time round. So what's your at Southend though? Is that, is that when you got the other random injury whilst watching Arsenal in a cup final? Is that right? That was, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, I think the Southend fans <laughs> obviously heard about this before, but yeah, went to watch Arsenal, FA Cup final against Chelsea. Uh, me and my mate, and there's a few other lads around us obviously drinking these little bottles of wine. Giroud had gone down the left, crossed the ball, Ramsey scored a header, jumped up, jumping around, and I just looked down, just blood everywhere. Like the fuck. There's like a stem of a wine blood, yeah. wine like Bottle, thing neck. in my foot. Yeah. In my foot, and I'm like, oh no. So yeah, all the boys obviously coming around celebrating after we won the thing. I thought I'm not leaving now, I'll wait until we lift the cup. And then yeah, after the game, I thought, right, I better get down the hospital. They were like, Look, you've missed a nerve by that much. Wow. He said, had that gone into your nerve, like you might have been able to walk. He went, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a professional footballer. <laughs> he was like, you lucky bastard. Yeah, just, that was a random, random day out. But you remember it for multiple reasons, though, yeah? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I remember like, I must have told, mentioned it somewhere and all of a sudden newspapers are ringing me up, like, like proper national papers as well and they found it, obviously. Like, it's one of them stories, isn't it? It's like that, or is it a Spanish paper, wasn't it? Yeah. Was it Canizares dropped a... Was it his aftershave bottle fell on his foot before the World Cup or something? He missed the World Cup because of it. And, yeah, yeah some, there's been some mad ones, isn't there? But 
Yeah. I mean, you had another mad one as I know fast forward a little bit, but this that time of year again, isn't it? The fireworks are going off. And um, didn't you have an incident at Waterford as well? Last fireworks year? Sorry, the reason why I laughed there, because my dog, I don't know if you heard that, but my dog just done the biggest fart. <laughs> he's, looking, <laughs> he's looking at me like I've done it. You can blame yeah, the dog. Waterford, yeah, so. yeah, Waterford's a mad one. Playing playing a game against Shamrock Rovers. And like the Shamrock Rovers fans are aiming fireworks on the football pitch, which to me, I, I remember it going up. Well, I remember them coming at this point. And I'm thinking, this dangerous. Someone's going to get up. Next thing I know, bang, straight in my eye. Um, and then, yeah, if you watch the clip, while I'm down, another one hits me on the back of the head. How's your luck? Yeah, I was going to say, I think it was two. I remember that stuck in my mind that, yeah, you got hit by a couple of fireworks. And you think, what's the chance of that? Yeah. Like, I remember, yeah, I remember coming, well, Mark Birch and my manager at the time, was like, right, everyone off the pitch, because we was winning. I think he was trying to get the game called off. He's like, no, that's it. The game's called off. I was like, Gaffer, if they call the game off, you know, we don't win the game. It don't stop how it is right now. Yeah. He's like, no, nah. he went, I'll make sure it does. I was like, no, we're going to have to go back out there. We've got to play. Like, we're at this point in a relegation battle there. I said, we're winning. Yeah. Let's go back out and play. He's like, no, we're not going back out. So I've convinced him to go back out. I think we end up getting beat 4-1. Come back in after the game. He's like, fucking hell, Woody, you've killed us. <laughs> <laughs> He's in coma. Coach, yeah, I saw him a couple of weeks coma, ago, actually. Right? I was over a couple of weeks ago. I saw him and, um, yeah, Dennis over there. Yeah, he's, he's out there. He's... He's, he's, he's a character but he's, he is a character let's go back on track then so um, obviously after time at Southend came to an end you then found a new home uh, probably I think a lot of people sort of probably remember you as being a Wimbledon player probably because of the cup runs uh, yeah. and a couple of very high profile games but it was only a couple of years you were there was it was it was it a couple seasons? of years a couple of years yeah but Wimbledon for me I started I was in the academy at obviously Wimbledon, the old Wimbledon, the proper where they call it oh, the right. Wimbledon. So I was in the academy there, eight, nine, ten years old, and had to leave when obviously Wimbledon it all went tits up. So then that's when I went to Cholton. So I'd always I'd been like a Wimbledon fan really because I'd get tickets to the games every weekend and go over Selhurst Park and, and watch Wimbledon. So I'd always had a obviously a soft spot for Wimbledon. So when that yeah. opportunity come up. Again, central London as well, sticking sticking down south, close to home. I thought, yeah, I love some of this. So yeah, met Neil Wardley, signed there. But yeah, again, fell out. To be fair, fell out of a lot of managers. But at this point, we had so Ardley got the sack. I yeah. didn't play under Neil Wardley. Didn't start well. He got the sack. Simon Bassey got the job. Brung me in. Played. Started playing really well under him. Wally come in. Then probably started playing some of the best football. That I've ever played not scoring as many goals but just football in general leading a team although I weren't the captain I felt like I carried that team with me and relegation battle how we got out of that one I never know that was just pure hunger team spirit it was like that was just a great like, escape because I mean you were like dead and buried as well weren't you at one point <laughs> we and, it co- and it coincided with the obviously the cut run everybody remember the big game against West Ham was it 4-1 or something like that 4-2 4-2 yeah. yeah I remember I was in a bar in Bulgaria skiing and yeah that was a massive <laughs> one so I was celebrating for you that night but um yeah that's a, that's where a lot of people got around the buzz and like you know was that the sort of catalyst that gave you as a squad like the confidence to to kick on and and perform the escape yeah I'd say so I'd say so because even when we beat them I think we was rock bottom of the league we'd just been beat 4-0 on the Saturday by Fleetwood if I remember right oh. and before that we'd been slapped 3-0 by might have been Burton pretty sure it was so we're going into that just lost the last two conceded seven goals 
and now we've got West Ham but just honestly some I don't know why you can just get yourself up for certain games I just knew we were going to win that game like I don't know how even know how to explain it 2-0 at half time 3-0 straight away when it yeah. come back to 3-2 it did get a little bit squeaky bum time but that late goal um, make it 4-2 was, was brilliant yeah and I think that did really kick us on Wally Dan like you know charismatic manager was he sort of like one of them you could really sort of get in the trenches for yeah do you know what Wally was Wally was old school real old school like he was again again a manager that was my type of person he he's just like I don't know he's like one of your dad's mates you know what I mean you, you could see him down the pub having a beer with your dad he was just like that type of person yeah but I've done really well for Wally and he we had a good relationship and towards the end it just went a bit sour. Um I had I got injured and where I'd done well for him the season before, I was injured during the pre season. He was telling me that well, he put me in the fat club and probably rightly so. I come back I come back, I enjoyed my summer a little bit too much. Right. <laughs> I was celebrating the great escape, but yeah, it just went a little bit sour and by the time he had lost it he'd got the sack I mean I was injured I wasn't playing so um, he got he got the sack and they brung in the assistant manager stepped up Glenn Hodges right yeah it was alright Glenn we got on alright but we had a few disagreements I think we was a member of, I actually remember a game at South End yeah where I think two of the centre halves were going up for a, for a corner or it might have been a free kick and we was winning 1-0 at the time and I, I told him to stay back just in case they broke and we went in 1-1. I just thought it was a sensible decision. So I told them to stay back. And at half-time, he sort of said, like, why did you listen to Woody? He's not the manager. And I said, look, I think I made the right decision. One minute before half-time, stay back. Let's get in 1-0. And I think yeah. we went on to win the game. And afterwards, said to him, look, I think I was right. Um, but some managers, like, you can have that conversation with. I think he took it a little bit personal. And after that, yeah, yeah, didn't really play much under him really you th- how much of that though do you think is you know at that point you're like a really senior player obviously experienced got a hell of a lot of um you know appearances under your belt at a higher level it's his first job isn't it really how much of it do you think he was trying to put like a marker down and 100 and- yeah and i get it and i get it and but one thing I'd, i i i would expect him to know like wally there was times me and wally didn't see eye to eye and we'd argue on the training pitch we'd argue on a thing uh, uh, in the changing room during half time or whatever but he'd always when we'd sort it out during the week he'd always say look sometimes you can't say the things that you say in front of the other lads because we've got a lot of young players here and they might think that's the way to speak to a manager and I said yeah I totally get that I apologise but in the heat of the moment I'm one of them I can't hold my tongue Yeah, <clears throat> I remember one time stopping training and asking Wally for some clarity which we had we had a lot of laughs about it afterwards but he just yeah again explained like if you want to have a chat with me, maybe talk to me in 1v1, not in front of the group. But yeah, some managers can take it and some can't. I don't know, just a, I think Glyn, yeah, maybe uh, that South End situation, he thought the lads listened to me over him and he didn't like it. But I thought he was a top, top man, great geezer, obviously been a great player and we didn't fall out still. Uh, he actually, after that, tried to, uh, every manager that rung him up and asked about me, I believe that he said good things. So, Oh, okay. Um, it weren't like he tried to dig me out or we hated each other. It was just maybe didn't see eye to eye on certain situations. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. The Wimbledon kits, right, are pretty iconic because it's that colour, isn't it? You know, everybody thinks that, that navy colour has got the yellow trim. 
the sponsor as well like a lot of people spent a lot of hours playing football manager computer game and that that sort of it's funny how sponsors and shirts do sort of stick um i don't know if you was, you ever sort of used to play it and manage yourself on that game um yeah. but you know a lot of people did you have those kits so Wimbledon have always done it i think where they carry over kits for two seasons there's a big movement out there around waste and the cost of fans having to buy shirts and things like that. But but Wimbledon at that time, the, t- the two years you were there, had the same home and away shirt both years. Yep. I've got to ask, because we always see it from you know, the fan side, as I say, money, cost of fans. As a player, you, you, you're secretly a bit gutted that you're not getting a new kit. Yeah, 100%. I remember I remember the first game, like, having a go at the kit, man. Like, what's this? This is last year's kit. Like, just getting on his back. Obviously, the boys do want to come in and see a nice new kit there. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. do look forward to that. They do look forward to different designs, different colours, different fits. And I remember, I think I remember a lot of boys, Joe Pigger in particular, just being like, wow, we want a new kit. But yeah, obviously all the reasons that you just stated there, cost, fans, having to spend money on new kits, totally get it. And to be fair, that weren't a bad kit, that one. That was nice. If I'm no, I was going to say, yeah. Kit, yellow, yellow and blue away kit. Yeah, nice colours as well. I always like a polo collar on a shirt. Yeah, yeah. It looks nice. Obviously, with a football manager. And I think they've gone to, um, they might have gone back to Hummel now. I think they have. Yeah, they got some lovely, they, ironically, they've got two blue kits, I think, uh, this year. Yeah. Uh, different shades of blue, so I get, I get it. But um, yeah, they got some really nice stuff this year. Yeah, they got their club shop, to be fair. They've got a few nice bits in there. I uh, bought a jacket out of there. The other way they've got this like training top but you'd wear it on a night out of a pair of jeans it's, All right. <laughs> yeah, proper, proper nice bit of clubber so you're secretly a kit stay you just don't know it <laughs> yeah no, I, do, I do, do love me kits I do love me kits so Wimbledon it was on to oh, Barnet wasn't it next is that right you still stay you stayed local is that right Barnet yeah yeah Barnet mm-hmm. after that that was that was just mental um, that was during was that during Covid as well or was that during Covid during Covid yeah so left Wimbledon um, obviously the season got cut short through yeah. COVID so we had to end up having like long time off and then come back and yeah I think some of the options that was mentioned to me was like Carlisle Grimsby Ian Holloway rung me up that was that was brilliant he rung me up and told me to sell my house in London and come <laughs> to Grimsby which I thought obviously I'm not going to do that but the longer it went on some of the other options was like conference level so I rang him back and I was like, I said, Ollie, all right, I'll do it. I'll come up there. He was like, brilliant, son, brilliant. Like, really pleased. Let's, let's get this done. He went, the chairman's going to give you a ring to discuss money and stuff. Rung the chairman, agreed wages with him, told my missus and obviously chatted about it with the kids and explained that like, I'm going to be gone during the week and they can come up on the weekends and gone through all that. Packed all my stuff up, got in the car, rung Ian on the way to tell him I was on my way up. And he was like, sorry, boy, I've, I've decided to sign someone else. <laughs> no. He went, I've signed Sean Scannell instead. No. I was like, what? I said, we've had the deal done. I'm in the car. Come, like, I'm on my way up. He was like, yeah, sorry, son. Like, that's that's football, you know. He said, I tried to sign you. It took, like, four weeks. I said, but you could have told me that when we agreed. You could have yeah. told me, like, do you know what I mean? I said, I've just had the kids crying and all sorts. He was like, yeah, sorry, mate. Like, wish you all the best. But he said, I've gone for a winger instead of a midfielder. So I was like, fair enough. And then, yeah, end up signing for Barnet. Which I guess you're close at home for the kids and that, but yeah, yeah, just down the road, brilliant. Yeah. And it took me 25 minutes to get there, but during that time, I had yeah, we had like five managers. Obviously, there was no relegation, so yeah, yeah, it yeah. was. Uh, I don't know, it was just hard. I think the boys just found it hard to motivate themselves. Managers were getting the sack left, right, and centre, and it was just uh, probably the craziest time of my career. Just what, was it? 
Was it the um, was it the kit as well? Because that that's not a nice kit. That JK that kit. kit. Honestly, I don't want to offend. The, I know the Barnet um, fans love the orange, but that was a naughty kit. It was a naughty kit, and I just remember like in the changing room, you put it on, and whatever angle you looked at yourself, it just made you look fat. I don't know. It's just weird. <laughs> like it was a weird shape. You had a complex after black... being put in the Fat Club at Wimbledon. That was oh, it. You did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it just stuck in the head. But it was like the orange with the black, and had a few dots on it. Yeah, it's not what you think of a. It's not the traditional stripe, is it? It's just that one central stripe. That's like I don't know. What is it? Like a beehive? Obviously, beehive pattern is it for the bees? Yeah, so I don't know. Just mad, and then yeah, yeah. I'm not that was probably. Yeah, not one of my favourites, that one. So then it was off to Ireland. And then do you want to set the record straight with... Uh, the, the... Oh, Cheswick, Cheswick, yeah. After getting sabotaged on Wikipedia by somebody. Yeah, that's it. So, yeah, we, uh, off to Waterford, I went with Mitchell Carlin. So Mitchell Carlin's Robbie Carlin's son from Colchester, the Colchester chairman's son. He was the chairman at Waterford. I bumped into him on the King's Road because I hadn't seen him for years. I'm just walking down the King's Road, going to meet my mates, I think. Bumped into him. He's like, oh, I've just become the chairman of uh, Watford fancy it and I was like I said oh maybe he was like look Birch is out there he said we're trying to sign some decent players Greg Halford might be coming out there Greg was at Colchester as well yeah. I said oh do you know what I might be interested so at this point some of the offers I was getting weren't great and I thought wouldn't be a bad time now at this stage of my career to gain experience playing abroad uh, and do you know what glad I did good club Watford the league out there is a lot better than I thought it would be. There's some, it, good, yeah. good players, some good players out there. They get get some fans in the stadiums as well. Uh, some, Especially some of the top clubs like Shamrock and that, they, they get a few fans. Um, but yeah, Waterford got some diehard fans that follow us everywhere. They do things just as professional as, as the clubs over here. It's well run out there. Coaching's good. The setup and professionalism was, was yeah just the same as it. Um, would you say it was on a part of... Barnet would it a better less standard than Barnet? I mean, well, like, football wise, football wise, yeah, football and infrastructure. The standard of football, I'd say, at the time, I'd probably say it's probably like the better team, Shamrock, and that. I'm sure they could hold their own League Two, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as for all the others, probably like conference level. Yeah, I'd say so. But competitive, yeah, 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 competitive. Some good players out there, but I think the thing is with over there, all the best players from Ireland come over here, right. and all the boys that have not quite cracked it over here go over there do you know what I mean so it's, mm-hmm. every time I think all the, they get some good players out there we just nick them over here so yeah, yeah. that that's probably why the league's over there stays stays at the level it is after a couple of years sort of winded down decided you want to come back and yeah yeah so to be fair I had an injury I had an injury and it was coming towards the end of the season so sort of come back over here uh, they had a new um, owner so at the moment the Fleetwood Town owners bought the club Andy okay. Pilly's name is so they bought the club from the owner, Richard Forrest, before. And Mitchell Carlin was no longer a part of it. And Birch had got a sack. So all the people that I sort of went out there for were no longer there. Right, yeah. And I had an injury, so I couldn't play. So we sort of agreed that I'd come home, done all my rehab, because I injured my ankle, got myself fit. Well, I thought I got myself fit, but obviously this geezer on Wikipedia thinks that I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair to him, no, it, it, there is an element of truth in it. So sort of just got got back training went and trained at Ches and they asked me to sign trained like three times been injured since March um, now the game on the Saturday he's called me in made me captain I don't even know anyone's name he made me <laughs> captain I don't know no one's name I've not kicked a football really since March played 45 minutes and at half time the manager's gone like yeah you're not match fit I'm like <laughs> <laughs> could have told you that like yeah, an hour ago <laughs> literally I've, that's what I've been telling you for the last week since you've been trying to sign me but 
because they were struggling, I think he thought because I played at decent level, I could come in and just do magic for them. But yeah, if you're not match fit, there's there's not really much you can do in terms of yeah helping them out to the level I think they wanted me to. So yeah, ended up calling that a day there. At the minute, I've just been training with my local team at Enfield Town, keeping fit. They've got some decent players down there, so yeah, just looking to to get back into it at the minute. You're not completely hung up the boots. You think you're gonna try I and play I'd, at a decent level? Yeah, I think I'd probably call like professional football if I had to go back in the league and train full time. Probably saying that I wouldn't do it at this minute in time because I've just graduated from uni doing uh, sports writing and broadcasting. Essentially, I was going to ask you a bit about that. Is that so? You sort of see a soft. You still want to play a bit of football as you can? Yeah, I'll, and... yeah. I like to play part time for the enjoyment. Um, and yeah, try and enter that enter that world now and start preparing for life after football. Makes a lot of sense to do it at the same time. Yeah. And, and, and you've done I've sort of seen you sort of doing stuff on the training ground as well, haven't you? Sort of covering it from that angle, is that right? In terms of the Yeah, yeah, I've stuff? been down at Wimbledon. So Wimbledon have been brilliant with me helping me do that because obviously to, to do the course you've got to do a work placement and mm. Wimbledon have been brilliant, showing me the ropes, helping me out with that. Rob Cornell down there, especially Chris Slavin, uh they've been really good helping me out and been doing a bit of commentary, co-coms for the match day, which I've really enjoyed. So now I've just got to try and get into one of the big broadcasters, drive them mad until they let me in. Let's finish with a little bit of quick fire for fun. So what is your favourite goal you've ever scored? My favourite goal, I would say the one I scored for Wimbledon against Halifax, just for the fact that it was the first goal I scored since my brother had passed away. And yeah, it was nice to dedicate that one to him. So I've scored better goals, but that one to me probably meant the most. Nice. It's the most special goal. Yeah, like that. Yeah. Not a great answer. Best away fans. Not to travel with you, that teams you played against that have come to your ground and you thought, Jesus, they got a lot of following here. Oh, I don't you know what. I, I, hate, I hate to say it, but they always make some noise. And I do enjoy playing when against them. Uh, Millwall, I'd have to say Millwall. Yeah, some obviously they're they're known for not being very nice, but they create an atmosphere on a pitch. The atmosphere is like, yeah, this gets me going. This like, I'm enjoying this. This is mental. Okay, put you put you in the doghouse again potentially. Yeah. So, what about best home fans that you played in front of? I'd say I'd have to say Wimbledon. Just passion. The way obviously they've, they've started AFC Wimbledon. Obviously they've started yeah. the club from from nothing, and they love that football club like deeply. Some of them loved that football club more than their wives, and I know that for a fact because some of them were <laughs> my friends. <laughs> I just have to say, yeah, just for the passion, Wimbledon, for what they've done and how far they've come, they yeah. they do love that football club. Yeah, hell of a journey that. Uh, Favorite stadium you played at? Favorite stadium, I would probably say uh, Stadium of Light, Sunderland. Obviously, England have played some games there. I mean, I did, did have a little think about this, but yeah, loads Aston Villa, but I'd say Stadium of Light. I just something special about it it just looks different when you're inside it just especially under the lights as well you play a night game there yeah it feels like magic yeah you you actually feel like a proper football player yeah yeah okay um what's the worst uh dressing room you've been in i meant i'm I'm going to talk about um the actual design of it how small it was rather than the teammates here oh yeah no definitely Lair road Lair road first coming through at colchester yeah cold horrible dirty just old but did love 
love playing there to be fair and obviously as a youth team player I'd clean them changing rooms every day that was my job yeah. I, was on the, I was on the home dressing room swept it would wash the walls and just yeah but in terms of like it was just cold it was horrible freezing in there imagine what the away one was like um, you've had a few but favourite manager who do you think you played your best football under I would say obviously I'd, I'd have to say Joe Dunn. I mean, I done well for some for some managers. AD Boothroyd was brilliant for me. He was the first one that really come in and, and was like, "Listen, you're going to play every game. You can have mm-hmm. five bad games. I'm still going to play you." And for me, that just like gave me so much confidence. He was brilliant for me, but I'd have to say Joe Dunn just because I had Joe since I was a kid, and and I'll always be grateful for for Joe for that. I won't ask you the next question. I got written down, but I'll just assume the answer Steve Evans. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. No <laughs> okay, 100%. Good. Um, best kit manufacturer that you played with? Kit manufacturer? You've had a few. Well, You've had Nike, Adidas, Puma, Nike, Jager, yeah, no, yeah, I'm going to say Nike. I like that, that South End kit, that, that Nike one. I think that was fitted nice. And especially when you're doing well as well. When you're scoring goals every week. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I, I wouldn't give any of them shirts away. If I scored wearing that kit, I'd never swap it or give it to a kid. Or I would always like, no, I was very... um. What's that word? Treasure that memory. Sort yeah, of thing, like I just always yeah love that kit. All-time favourite boots? I used to love the Total 90s, but the one with the stripe down the side. Yeah, wow, okay. Them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the, white, the best ones were I had the white ones. I had studs as well. And I remember like loving them so much that I'd wear them in pre-season. Grand's rock hard and wearing studs <laughs> just because I thought these boots were like the, were, the, were the nuts. Yeah, it's the white ones with the blue blue gown down the side. Yeah, a lot of the Brazilians were wearing them at one yeah. point. Best opponent you came up against one on one? Um, yeah, again, there's been a few, but the one that stands out the most, um, South End, we played West Ham. Uh, they just signed Dimitri Payet. Like, it's the best performance I've ever seen anyone have. And I know mm. some of the West Ham boys as well, like Aaron Cresswell. He didn't actually play in the game, but he must have been there watching. He texted me after the game like, how good is this geezer? I remember texting all my mates saying, West Ham yeah. has signed a player. He's going to be mega. And it's funny, it's funny because at, the point, at that point, West Ham had a player called uh, D- uh, Diego Poyet. It was Gus Poyet's son. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All my mates have put him in their dream team, thinking I'm on about him. And obviously, the other Poyet started smashing <laughs> up the, the league that year. And I'm like, boy, he's... Come on, you're reminding me. Screw worldies every week. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They think I've tipped uh, Diego Poyet. <laughs> right, what is your favourite kit of all time? So not necessarily when you played in, but whether that's a kid oh, growing up. Without or... a shadow of a doubt, the um, old Arsenal one, Joe the Blue. They've just, they've uh, just started, I think they started selling it again now. The one with the Platt blue, with the lightning one, on. JVC, yeah. it's blue and it had all like mad little lightning yeah the lightning one yeah david platt era sort of that's it, platt platt, era. Yeah. for some reason i can just picture johnny Jensen wearing it um yeah that that blue kit that was that was the that was the nuts and i think i might have had stefan schwartz he was a player for arsenal back yeah. in the day i think i had number 15 stefan schwartz on the back of it niche that that's uh the niche name oh, i know this is supposed to be quick fire by the way i'm giving some no nah, that's all right but, that's all right that's all right that's but right. That, that arsenal kit yeah that was that was the nuts so that's a quick fire over. I've got to ask, though, in terms of, you, know, you mentioned you swapped a few shirts. What have you got? What's your collection like? Do you hold on to a lot of your shirts? Have you swapped a lot of shirts? Do you know what? I've got, the best one I've got is actually not one I've actually swapped because obviously I've never had the chance to play against him. But obviously Aaron Ramsdale, a good friend of mine, plays for Arsenal. So drove him mad for a few kits. We've got an Aubameyang one. But in terms of ones I've swapped with, 
yeah, scoring against Almunia when I was at Ipswich and getting his shirt. Obviously, he played for Arsenal. Yeah. Um, Danny Murphy, I love Danny Murphy. A lot of people were like, what? I'm like, no, Danny Murphy was a player. Like, he did it all, player. didn't he? Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Mustard. Got him. Um, who else you got? Albert Riera, Darren Huckabee. I've got Darren Huckabee's last shirt, I think. Yeah? Oh, wow. Yeah, I think I asked him for that. I mean, his last game or second from last game, we played Norwich at Carrow Road. And we got beat 5-0. Five, five but I got his shirt from that game. Um, do you know what? I'll have to have a look through. I've got... Sometimes, like I said, my son just comes out yeah, and yeah, yeah. I'm wearing one. And I'm like, oh, bloody hell, I forgot I had that. I'm glad to hear that you're sort of getting fit again. The, the sort of media um, career sounds exciting. Danny Murphy might be in a role model on the pitch, but try and take a different path in terms of punditry to him if you can. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, thanks ever so much for joining us. That's um, really awesome. Like, really, really good chat. Brilliant. Nice one. No, I enjoyed yeah. that. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. So, guys, I really enjoyed that, as you can probably tell. But um, what did you think? I thought it was informative, yet hilarious, especially the Frank Bruno story. <laughs> I was laughing out loud when I was listening to that story. Yeah, I, I think that the, the stories are about the, the, yeah, Phil, the Phil Brown slash uh, Frank Bruno story was great. I think the, the strange injuries stuff is good as well, though. I'll see. Then you you mentioned the Canizares one. Just whilst we're on there, did you, did you know Dave Besson did something similar once? He dropped a great big jar of salad cream on his foot and got and got injured. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, it, it was good. It was, it was, I mean, it's good. Always good to hear a player's perspective. You know, as much as he probably didn't think he was, he sounded like a real, real kit geek. I love the fact that he had a favourite shirt and it wasn't one that he played in. You know, he bought shirts with name sets on, like like Stefan Schwartz coming up. That's great. The man with the the the, the space clause in his contract when he played at Arsenal love that but um, yeah it's no g- great great feature I really enjoyed it space clause what was the clause uh, apparently Stefan Schwartz he was obsessed with going into space or going to the moon so he always had a clause in his contract wherever he went that if he had the chance he would be allowed to do so wow alright yeah apparently it was the same when he went to Sunderland <laughs> <laughs> I mean yeah d- you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket that's the lesson to be learned there well, the funny thing is, is that now that's not so unreasonable, isn't it? Because with SpaceX and Virgin setting up space trips there, <laughs> he might have, <laughs> if he was still playing, then it might have been worthwhile having in. But yeah, no, you're right. The kit geek really came out. I know he's raided a lot since, so we'll be sharing some of the pictures and things of the shirts that he's pulled out. Um, and also interested to hear that he still hits club shops and things like that and picks up bits of training gear that he thinks is cool. So... Yeah, yeah that, that was mad. And like I say, I think that's just, I mean, I think that's that's a kind of like a symptom of the way football gear is today that I think a lot of people do wear it a bit more widely. But yeah, I think it's like you like you touched on a couple of times in there, obviously for him, it's workwear. So it's it's strange to hear that he would he would still want to choose to wear it, you know, when, when, but yeah, no, it's good. I mean, we're not alone in this. <laughs> <laughs> certainly not we're certainly not but if people let us know what they thought about that we've got a couple of other former players lined up who want to join us and talk a bit about their career and a bit about some of the kits they wore as well so um yeah maybe we've got more of that stuff coming yeah as well, obviously as well as players we have got some uh real good guests coming up soon um we've recorded if we get a few recorded in the bank for everybody and there's some really really good ones to look forward to over the next couple of weeks so yeah just uh look out for them and finally, we would just like to say thank you to everybody that has followed us on Twitter because this this last week we surpassed 5,000 followers. And to thank everybody, 
we've got a really exciting giveaway and it's another giveaway we've collaborated with Damien from RB Classic Soccer Jerseys and it's an absolute belter so that'll be dropping later on this week so just keep an eye on the socials Isabel, are we allowed to enter this? Because obviously I've seen what it is and um, I need to get involved in this. Yeah, surely we're allowed to. Well, it's a random generated, you know, it's randomly generated who wins. So we should we should be allowed to have as much chance of winning as everybody else. Yeah, the prize is that good. I think we're going to want to, but no, let's let's abstain. And genuinely, thank you to everybody else followed us four months um, and we got up to that, that figure. So that's amazing. We really, really do like interaction with all the other shirt fans out there um, and getting the feedback to bring out more and more content that, that you all enjoy and want to see more. Yeah, so next week we'll be back to normal. We'll have kit history. We'll have 101. I think we've already got ready. Um, we got a great feature lined up for next week for anybody that likes playing with their toys. Um, and yeah, and then we'll be going on to, I think we're, we're going to be hitting World Cup time then, aren't we? Yeah, we've got a couple of exciting ideas lined up for a few more frequent episodes, but they'll be slightly shorter just so we can keep up date with all the, the kit goings on during the World Cup because it's going to be a lot of games in a very short period of time. Love the World Cup. It's brilliant watching your team compete in that tournament, isn't it, Scott? It's brilliant watching your team go out, so I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> all right, gents, they think it's all over. Go on, Scott. Y- you know, even if there was only two of us doing this, I still wouldn't fucking say it. <laughs> <laughs> it is It is now.